0: For the end of the world. <laughs> That's a good song for the end of the world. This is your community spirit. A show about caring, sharing, and preparing for the changes needed in the world as we know it. Let's bring back the circle again the circle of family, circle of friends, circle of being. Wake up and be healthy and therefore wealthy to the peace and joy of Mother Earth. This is your community spirit on your community radio on 91.1 FM, Community Radio for Southern Illinois. And uh, I, believe we have a, I believe we have a special guest who we're going to try to get on the air here. Oops. Uh, we've lost him for the moment, but uh, Or is going to try to call back in a little bit. So we will get on with the start of the show until we hear from him. Let's go to the second uh, solar carol. Uh, the, well, the second carol, I've already spoiled it. It's the solar carol. i nice. I believe we've got you on the air this time. Can you hear us, Orr? All right, let's see. Orr, can you hear us now? And we are trying to get you on the air here. I believe we still have you, but I'm not hearing you at the moment. Let's try one more time. Can you hear us now, Orr? Alright, hold on one moment. Are you still there, Orr? Well, we're, ha- we're having trouble hearing you on the air. You're still on the line. Uh, we're going to try one more time to get your voice going out over the airwaves. So let's see here. Yeah, there we go. Uh, I'm hearing. I believe we're getting you over the air, but I'm not hearing you over the headphones.
1: Okay. So uh,
0: we will go ahead. And, how about if you go ahead and go with the first story while we try to get that sorted out?
2: Will do. I just finished meeting with the utility here over in Marion to turn on a solar system. They tested it. In the news stories, Exxon agrees to disclose climate risks under pressure from investigators. Under pressure from investigators, prosecutors, and global regulators, Mobil Corp. agreed on Monday to strengthen its analysis and disclosures of the risks its core oil business faces from climate change and from government efforts to rein in carbon dioxide emissions from fossil fuels. This will require Exxon to face squarely the implications of reduced oil demand if the world makes good on the pledges of the Paris Climate Agreement to cut carbon emissions practically to zero fast enough to avoid the worst effects of global warming in a one paragraph filing i didn't know that was possible one paragraph <phone rings> filing securities and exchange commission the oil giant said it would stop resisting motions filed by dissident shareholders seeking this kind of risk disclosure awesome. So, it's pretty interesting. Over the past few years, more shareholders have sided with the dissidents who have included descendants of the founding Rockefeller family, faith and social progress groups, and important financial institutes. Earlier this year, 62% of shareholders voted for Exxon to annually report climate risk. Specifically... Exxon dropped its opposition to a shareholder proposal filed November 28th by New York's state pension fund. The proposal asked Exxon to analyze how the Paris goal of keeping global temperature rise below 2 degrees Celsius compared to pre-industrial levels will affect its business and to assess the climate financial risks associated with the two-degree scenario. Quote, Exxon's decision demonstrates that investors have the power to hold corporations accountable and to compel them to address a very real climate-related concern, said New York State Comptroller Thomas P. DiNapoli, who oversees the nation's third-largest public pension fund with $192 billion in assets. Quote, we will continue to monitor Exxon's response to climate change as we urge the company and others in the energy sector to find ways that they can adapt to the growing lower carbon economy, Nepali said. Exxon told the SEC that it, quote, will seek to issue these disclosures in the near future. These enhancements will include energy demand sensitivities implications of a two degree Celsius scenarios and positioning for a lower carbon future, Quote. Yeah. so So they're actually focusing on the fact that polluting all these years is now going to affect their, you know, income and business model.
0: Yeah. So, so they actually have to account for that now.
2: Yep. So,
0: which is, that's part of what's ironic about this story to me is, it's not like they are forcing them to disclose because they care about the environment. <laughs> They're disclosing because, A, the law is telling them to, and, B, their investors may lose out. It's not about the world being destroyed. It's because, oh, you may be misleading your investors about the risks you're taking. But, I mean, hey, if it gets them to disclose, that's, that's a step in the right direction. So, in other news, there will be flood... Coastal cities are in serious jeopardy, a new sea level where our study shows. Now I want to point out this is not the one that we reported on a couple weeks ago, and it's not the other one we reported on a couple weeks ago. This is a brand new study. As uh, Grist reporter Eric Holthaus, who was involved in one of those studies, uh, wrote in a cover story last month, massive sheets of ice in Antarctica essentially hold humanity hostage. Placing hundreds of millions of people at risk of inundation from rising seas, a new study, which factors in the global implications of Antarctic tipping point mechanisms for the first time, confirms the importance of these glaciers in predicting the odds of rapid sea level rise. The results, published in the journal Earth's Future, points to two possible pathways. One is a relatively steady but substantial rise in sea levels, even if we sharply reduce global emissions flooding 100 million people's homes worldwide by the end of the century, and two, a wild-card world that could jeopardize civilization itself if fossil fuels continue to dominate. The study's mid-range estimate under this second scenario predicts almost 5 feet of sea level rise by 2100. That was essentially the worst-case scenario in a similar study by the same authors just three years ago. So that's become the mid-range estimate. At the high end, the new study estimates that there's a 10% chance that seas will rise more than 8 feet this century. That's enough to flood nearly every coastal city on (laughs) Earth. And you know, to us living inlands, that 8 feet may not sound like a big deal, but if you look at the maps of some of these cities on the coasts, 8 feet plus tide variations and storm surges, that is a very stunning uh, situation. So that stunning revision upwards highlights the urgency of reducing emissions. Quote, We can basically rule out six feet of rise if we get securely on a trajectory toward net zero emissions, the study's lead author, Bob Kopp, told Christ. Part of what was striking to me, there's a really long story at climatecentral.org with more details, and part of what was striking to me about it is that even the, the rapid reduction option still involves millions of people being displaced. So even if we, right now, today, say, we're going to stop all emissions, there's still going to be millions displaced by climate change.
2: And they already have been, and are, I mean, we call them them refugees, and we're saying it's from, like, civil wars, but in some cases, it's, they're civil wars because they're not being able to survive, and so they get discontented, and then they start causing trouble, right?
0: Yeah. So. Well, that's one of the challenges in getting political will behind doing something about climate change is that one of the biggest things it does is it poses as a threat multiplier. So all of these other problems that are happening in the world, they get a little bit worse because the seas are rising or the intense storms are happening, and all the injustices that were already there, they get a little bit worse.
2: Speaking of injustices, in kids' climate lawsuits, Judges question government effort to get the case dismissed. The Trump administration's effort to block a major climate change lawsuit that was brought on novel grounds by a group of young people appeared to suffer a setback Monday at a hearing before a federal appeals court. The lawsuit, Juliana versus the United States, was filed in 2015 on the behalf of 21 youths who are accusing the government of violating their constitutional rights by failing to address climate change and continuing to subsidize fossil fuels. A federal district judge earlier this year set a trial date for February. But in July, the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals paused the case after the Justice Department invoked an unusual legal maneuver to try to block the lawsuit. On Monday... Who of the three judges on the panel seemed dubious of the move. Michael Gennard, director of the Sabin Center for Climate Change Law at Columbia University, has been following the case and said the judge's questions and comments on Monday suggested they would send the the case back to the district court and allow it to proceed. Quote, they said it's a little too early to be here. Last year, the district judge denied the government's motion to dismiss the case. After President Donald Trump took office, however, the Justice Department asked for a writ of mandamus, essentially an order for an appeals court to a lower one, generally to correct an abuse. The Department of Justice contended in its con- petition that the district court had, quote, rendered unprecedented and clearly erroneous findings, quote, by failing to dismiss the case and had demonstrated, quote, a remarkably disregard regard for essential separations of power limitations, end quote. At the hearing on Monday in San Francisco, Chief Judge Sidney Thomas, who was appointed by President Bill Clinton, said there was no precedent for issuing such a writ under these conditions, and if the judge did issue it, there would be, quote, no logical boundary to it, end quote. The plaintiffs, these are all the young, you know, youth, are seeking to establish a constitutional right to a stable climate, and they're asking the courts to order the federal government to rapidly cut the nation's greenhouse gas emissions. Another judge, Alec Kozinski, who was appointed by President Ronald Reagan, Julia Olson, the lawyer for the children, and the executive director of the advocacy group Our Children's Trust, on the merits of the case. After these oral arguments, the judges will now have to decide whether to intervene. If they send the case back to the district court, Gennard expects the Justice Department will look for other ways to prevent the case from going to trial, where the government could be forced to produce documents and dispositions that would reveal deliberations on decades of federal climate policies. When asked whether the plaintiffs have a shot, Gerard said, quote, they have a better shot today than they did yesterday, end quote.
0: Yeah, that's a start. Right, that's, that's a start. Lawsuit. Yeah. Well, I it's mean, in- interesting the argument they were the government was making, too. The government was saying, you did not immediately dismiss this lawsuit, so we're mad at you and we want you to take action. Uh, it, so it's, you know, like they said, it's, they have a better shot today than they did yesterday. It's still, they still have to actually proceed with the court case, but they weren't immediately thrown out of court for having the idea. So that's one step. Because, you know, there are some things, if you say something too ridiculous that you're trying to try a case, they'll just dismiss you outright and say, why are you wasting the court's time with this? But they've made it past that step, so we will, it sounds like we will hear in court's, their arguments and the responses. Which is good, because I've heard a lot of people suggest that court action may be the most uh, effective means of accelerating action on climate change at this point, because th- all of the legislative actions and treaties and such have been too slow in their goals. But we'll see.
2: I mean, I just think it's amazing. I mean... These 21 youths have already spent two years, you know, essentially being strong enough to take on the U.S. government, saying, you are not providing a safe place for us to live.
0: Yeah, (laughs) that takes a lot of courage.
2: And, I mean, they're doing it on constitutional grounds. They're literally, the Constitution says you need to provide a safe place, and you're exactly doing exactly opposite.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And if they're successful, the government will have to. Even if, you know, a particular politician or party doesn't like it, the court will decide and they'll be mandated to. So we will definitely keep following that one. Here's another interesting one. World's first solar-powered train to begin operation in Australia. We found a dilapidated train, restored it, and are powering it with a 4.6 billion-year-old power source is how Jeremy Holmes, Development Director of the Byron Bay Railroad Company, succinctly summarized the mission of the world's first solar-powered train. The train, designed to be uh, powered by solar panels fully, by solar panels and electric motors, goes into service this weekend, with a short 3 km route near... 3 km route near... Can you finish this one?
2: Yeah. I mean, what's it's kind of a big deal, but at the same time, it's only a three kilometer route. But the fact that it's 100% solar powered does make it a big deal. The railroad company has been set up as a nonprofit and has partnered with local companies, including a high performance EV builder who made this. We've got a link to um, an electric radical SR8. The train was retrofitted from a classic passenger train that was used to have two diesel engines. One engine was replaced by electric motors and batteries, and the other engine was kept for balance and as an emergency backup. It can and will completely run on solar power, even during times of extended cloud cover, but one diesel engine was kept around just in case there's a failure. It has a 77-kilowatt battery, which is good for a full day's worth of trips back and forth, and will charge both by panels on the roof of the train and a 30-kilowatt solar array at the station. Well, I want to say that both the battery and the solar is actually pretty small um, for what it sounds like they're doing. So it sounds like this could be, you know... A, uh, ready, a, a standard practice, I guess you could say.
0: Yeah, All right. I'm surprised they're able to do it that well um, with that amount of power. We've seen
2: renewable power trains before, but most of them are electric trains attached to clean grids as opposed to directly generating their own power. So basically, you know, they're using regular electricity that happens to be produced with clean energy For example, the Netherlands announced that their electric trains are 100% wind power, meaning their target a year earlier than expected. And India has a quote-unquote solar-powered train, except in this case that's still being pulled by a diesel locomotive, and the solar panels are only used to power comfort systems like air conditioning and lights. This is the first train that we're aware of which is actually fully powered, by solar panel, down to its wheels, by its own power system. And so... um,
0: Yeah, so even if it's a small one and a small route, it's still a precedent that it's setting, you know?
2: It's just like... um, I, I, I still remember the very impressive solar system that I saw in Germany when I was on the train. And, you know, that was powering the station... Um, it was basically the canopy of the station. And why it was impressive is they had it so that the sunlight would come through the solar panels, so it was like tinted windows. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I would like to see something like this done as a trial project here in southern Illinois. Like, I've heard people talk about reviving light rail in this region. So if that ever happens, why not revive it with a solar-powered train? It'd be a good demonstration project.
2: We can start by just this, you know, solar-powered electric bus, because those are set routes.
0: Yeah. You
2: know? I mean, when you have a delivery vehicle or a set route, you know how many miles that vehicle needs to do, and therefore you know how much energy it needs. Yeah. And therefore, you can put a solar system to offset that energy usage. Yep. I think it's phenomenal that today is Bill of Rights Day, and we're talking about the, that lawsuit with the kids who are saying their, their rights, their constitutional rights, have been violated by the federal government.
0: Yeah, so they're working on uh, securing their own rights, not the ones specifically enumerated in the Bill of Rights, but ones based on the whole Constitution. Also, coming up, we have, oh, this is a good one on Saturday, National Chocolate-Covered Anything Day. (laughs) Now, hopefully, it's like an edible food item that you're covering with chocolate. You don't want to waste the chocolate.
2: I was actually talking to somebody yesterday, and they had a chocolate-covered party, basically. (laughs) And, you know, pretzels and chips and, you know, raisins, and they were just dipping everything in there, and I was like, what was the most unusual thing you dipped? And she said, an olive. (laughs) It wasn't too bad. It was just kind of like a salty chocolate. Yeah. But, I don't know. I think that being said, you could pretty much dip anything in chocolate.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I may give that a try. I like them both separately, but that does sound like a strange one. Another big one, National Maple Syrup Day. There are a lot of maple syrup makers around here. Uh, not not as much as in other areas, but they exist here.
2: And a few other food days coming up. Baked Cookies Day, National Roast Suckling Pig Day, Oatmeal Muffin Day, and of course, you mentioned the National Maple Syrup Day.
0: Yeah. And some non-food related ones. There's Crossword Puzzle Day on Thursday. Oh, and Thursday is Humbug Day. (laughs) I guess that's for people who are not feeling the holiday spirit. But it's also Look on the Bright Side Day and Winter Solstice, the shortest day of the year.
2: And then we can start counting up for more sunny days. It's
0: kind of interesting,
2: though. We're hitting the shortest day here, and I don't feel like we've really had any short days hardly at all, because we haven't had much cloudy weather. Yeah. you know. I I I don't really care for winter hmm. but I do want us to have like a week long cold snap to kill off all those bugs and nasty things
0: yeah well I think we may have that on the way <laughs> it's finally starting to be like winter well,
2: now, like- <laughs> one day we skipped was go caroling day and I think you're going to need to do that if you eat all the things we mentioned
0: <laughs> yeah it will give you the energy for your caroling <laughs> So, coming up in Happenings, we have A Child's Christmas in Wales. This is a performance coming on Friday, uh, today at 7 p.m., and Sunday at 2 p.m. over at the Varsity Center. A classic Dylan Thomas holiday story will be brought to life in two performances in the balcony at the Varsity Center. Performed by Kevin Purcell with the music of a cappella trio, The Free Range Chicks. That's over at the Varsity tonight at 7 and Sunday at 2.
2: Now, also at the Varsity, now, at the same time, this is the first time I've noticed that they've had two events at the same time. Yeah. And that's because they do have two stages now that they have renovated, and they're working on the third. So, the second event at the same time tonight at 7 o'clock is National Lapoons Christmas Vacation. So...
0: So, yeah, so don't get confused and expect uh a, a child's Christmas in Wales, and you turn the wrong way and <laughs> If you see Chevy chase up on the screen, then it's time to go to the other one if you're going for child's Christmas <laughs> It's great though that they can have two events there at once, you know they're, they're doing so much more
2: yeah so and uh, and at the same time, both of those events are happening. the varsity bar will offer. Beverages for adults and children, as well as treats. So, and, of course, the whole thing here is they're doing all this to, of course, raise money to rehab the big theater, which is absolutely huge if you haven't had a chance to look at it.
0: All right, so also coming up, we have the Dale Community Farmers' Markets. The winter indoor market is on Saturdays from 9 to noon. At Carbondale Community High School, Uh, their vendors will be bringing lots of great produce, meats, baked goods, body products, honey, crafts. Lots of good things going on during the winter farmer's market.
2: Also on Saturday, free again wildlife rehabilitation. The Great Horned Owl, 2 to 5 p.m. at the Science Center. They welcome the friends from Free Again Wildlife Rehab to the Science Center. Join Miss Beverly as we learn about the amazing bird of prey. Presentation is included with admission. The Science Center members are, of course, always free. The fun kicks off at 2 p.m. The Great Horned Owl will be on stage.
0: A great time with the Great Horned Owl. And Girls Rock After School is going on on Wednesdays 3.30 to 5 over at Flyover Social Center. You can get more information at girlsrockcarbondale.com. They've got a schedule of upcoming themes and all the other things that Girls Rock does. So Wednesdays 3.30 to 5.
2: The Trans Poetic Playground, Thursdays at 8 p.m. at the Flyover Social Center. Welcome to all the freshest poetry in Southern Illinois. Feel free to bring material on theme or not. New poetry or veteran performer, all are welcome. Of course, there needs audience members too. Tell your friends. Now, I do want to. It's not till next Friday, but the Varsity Center has a special matinee showing of the beloved holiday movie, *It's a Wonderful Life*, on Saturday. Well, here it says. Saturday here and Friday there, December 23rd.
0: What's December 23rd? Yeah, I believe what's in the text. It's probably a copy paste error. So, yeah, <laughs> Saturday, December 23rd at 2 p.m. It's a special matinee screening of the beloved holiday movie.
2: So, mark your calendars for all these events. If you have other events that you would like us to mention, or if you would like to receive all the stuff we just talked about via email. Our email is info at yourcommunityspirit.org and send it to us. And we look forward to hearing from you because, well, we like participating in the community. That's what we do. This is your community spirit on WDBX, your community radio station. Solar powered, of course.
0: Yes, so stay warm and we will see you next week on the radio.